Greetings and welcome to Springfield Church of the Brethren's worship online for April 5th. We're recording this on April 1st, but I'll promise we won't do any major jokes on you today. A few announcements. As always, you can contact the church through the many ways that are listed on our website as well as on Facebook and through email. You can call us directly here at the church at 330-628-3058. You can always also contact your deacon if you are in any need. If there is any prayer request, feel free to send them here to the church if you'd like them to be a part of the worship service. You can also email the church office, that would be Becky, or contact Pat Mills for prayers to go out on the prayer chain. Officially, as of this week, the May outing has been postponed. More information will come out about that once new information is made available. The May April newsletter is being done this week. If you have not contacted the church to let them know how you would like your copy, please let Becky know. We know that many of you usually pick up a copy here in your church mailbox. They won't be there this time around. So give Becky an email or a call. Let her know if you want it mailed to you or emailed to you. Bible study. We had a wonderful time. We have switched it to Tuesday at 7 p.m. instead of the usual 6 p.m. And we had a wonderful time this week. Had a lot of fun. Please join us coming up this week. Just check out the Facebook site as along with the uh, email that I send out near the beginning of every week for how to join us on our Zoom meeting. We just finished the fourth and fifth chapter this week, and we will be joining, jumping in to the sixth chapter. I take that back. We actually did the third and fourth chapter. We'll be jumping into the fifth. This week, Bev is again providing us with music, and a special thank you to you, Bev, for doing that. The music she'll be playing is The Holy City by Stephen Adams, and then as a prelude, and then we'll have All Glory, Laud, and Honor, and Hosanna, Loud Hosanna, number 237 and 238 in the hymnal. And another thank you again to Becky and Christopher, who continue to be great helps in this work. The work of this congregation does not stop even when this building is closed. It carries on and we are doing, going on our work daily here. We thank you for all those who have been able to continue contributing their tithes so that we're able to do this work. And if you do wish to continue to support this work, feel free to send your tithe into here at the office. We will pick it up daily. Thank you so much for your help. I invite you to enter in this time of worship as we go into the prelude, followed by a prayer.
please pray with me. We remember this day, your triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus. We remember the high joy of seeing the son of David return to his ancestral throne. We know, though, we know that this is the beginning of the end, that soon you will leave us for the cross and the tomb. It is part of a plan, one that will change forever our world and our relationship with God. We thank you for your love and your compassion for us. We lift up to you our brothers and sisters who are in need of your comfort and healing. For those in hospitals, care facilities, and at home, we lift up especially the Curry's Aunt Celia, who went into hospice this week. We pray for her family, for your continued presence in this time. Let them know, let all those who are in solitude know that they are being watched over. Keep our focus towards caring for them as you once taught us. Be with those who work to keep us safe, healthy, sheltered, fed. Bless them, keep them safe, and please, don't let us be unkind to them because of our own fear. As we turn towards Easter, the empty tomb, we pray that despite this time of fear, that we will still find the glory and the love that comes in this act. We give to you those people those things that weigh upon our heart in silence. Amen.
Matthew 21, 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem, they had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in her colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowd went ahead of him, and that followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. the son of David, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? this? The crowds were saying, This This is is the prophet prophet Jesus Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Blessed is the word that comes down to us. Amen. I like to watch sitcoms. I'm not a huge movie person, but I do watch movies too. But I I often have a sitcom on. And if you watch them, you may notice that sitcoms have a, a formula. A lot of movies follow the same formula. It's called the three act system. The idea is that there's always kind of an opening section. And in that opening section, a problem is given which the whole show will then surround. And then you have the second act. And in the second act, they struggle with that problem. They fight that problem. That, that's how they're working to the solution. And then you have the third act, which is the conclusion. So many shows follow this formula. Just watch The Simpsons, Everybody Loves Raymond, I Love Lucy, Home Improvement. They all follow this rule of three. But there's that moment. It always comes right at the end of the second act, just as you're getting into the third. It's sometimes called the third act fall, in which whatever their solution was, it ends up having a big problem. And it's usually hilarious because it's a sitcom, so it's supposed to be funny. But it's that moment when, like, say, the Barone parents, Frank and Marie, show up and ruin everything. Or, you know, Ricky comes home from work. Or Phoebe gets the, the letters she wasn't supposed to. It, as the plan falls apart, it's hilarious. But then you have that third act, it kind of wraps it all back up together and leaves you good feeling. Now this is based on actually a really old system. It's called the hero cycle. You may have come across this this concept before. It became really popular in about 1949 when a man named Joseph Campbell wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. It 
It reshaped our storytelling. It's one of the reasons why Star Wars is so popular, because he really followed very closely the book and how, how to develop a hero saga. The hero with a thousand faces, what it did that was so special is it recognized that the thousands of hero stories that, that humanity has created over the years, they all follow a similar pattern. They all start at one point and they end at another point and they follow a fairly similar set of rules. In doing so, Campbell describes something, though, about our own nature. After all, stories are how we describe our lives, our world. And a hero's story is taking those and making it larger than ourselves. Now, Campbell broke the hero saga, the hero cycle, into 17 parts. And I'm not going to go over all 17 parts. There's a lot of them. But out of those 17 parts, they actually fit into three acts. I know, surprise, three acts. Now, the second act is, again, the meat of the, of the story. It's the big parts. And there are, there are four items that almost always universally make up that second part, especially when we're talking hero cycle. He calls them the road of trials, atonement with the abyss or father, apotheosis, and the ultimate boon. I know this is a lot of big jumble language. I kind of like to think of it as the first is the journey of growth followed by a betrayal of expectations and a fall, then the realization of something greater, and finally, the completion of the, of the task, whatever that journey was for. I bring up this idea of a hero's journey because we're coming into Palm Sunday. This is for, after all, Palm Sunday. Now, Jesus knows what's going to happen, but this, this hero's tale is not actually about Jesus. It's about the 12 disciples and all the other followers. It's about them journeying for, with Jesus for three years through trials and tribulations. And then finally following him in as, as Mark or as Matthew tells us, sitting upon a colt and a donkey, following Christ into the holy city, the, the ancient capital of when their nation was at its golden peak. Can you imagine their joy? They are following the Messiah to the throne of David. They expect the kingdom of heaven to arise at any minute. What they didn't expect, though Jesus knew, was that the next part of the journey isn't the completion. It's the atonement with the abyss, the betrayal of expectations and a fall. Because soon, Jesus will be whisked away, where he will be tried, beaten, executed, 
and put in the tomb. I mean, we celebrate Easter knowing that already. We celebrate Easter knowing that something much better, much more amazing is coming. It's going to be Easter. It's going to have the empty tomb. But the disciples, they had no idea what that week would have in store for them. Yes, Passover was coming. They knew they, they had that. They expected the new kingdom to come. But they didn't expect for their worlds to fall apart. It's just like all those TV shows, just like those movies. You feel like they're getting to where they're supposed to be. And at that last moment, victory is snatched away. It seems to me that right now we're in that kind of time, that betrayal of expectations. We are, we are in that dark space. The disciples found themselves on Good Friday or Holy Saturday. And believe it or not, yes, that Saturday between Good Friday and Easter has a name. I'm sure they didn't see either as being especially good or holy. We too, we are supposed to be in this time of triumph. We are supposed to be in our Palm Sunday. And even if we know how Holy Week is going to go, we already know the triumph at the end. And we're not able to celebrate that the way we're used to celebrating that. We're a lot like the disciples on those two days, hiding behind closed doors, though not from temple elites or Romans, but instead of virus. Now, I want to be careful here. Diseases are not a spiritual thing. This is a virus that's harmful to all of God's creatures, or all of God's children. But I believe that even in such dark times, God is walking with us and helping us to look for a light within this darkness. Apotheosis, that next part of the cycle. It means, it's Greek, making divine. If you ever watched the old Disney Hercules movie, the old cartoon version, there's that moment when he, he dives into the river of the dead to save his beloved. And as he's going down there and he grasps her, he switches from being his mortal self into being a divine self. That's the classic meaning of apotheosis, the, the, the mundane transforming into the divine. But in this, this translation, it also means something else. It means realizing the truth about yourself, about reality. In the classic hero cycle, this is when they enter that moment where they realize who they are, and then they come back and they win the victory at the end. I like how Campbell put it. It's a little complex sounding, but I think it is kind of really beautiful, so I'm going to read it. Those who know, not only that the everlasting lies in them, but that what they and all things really are is the everlasting. 
They dwell in the groves of the wish-fulfilling trees and drink the brew of immortality and listen everywhere to the unheard music of the eternal concord. Get that image. The hero who returns is unstoppable. In the Gospels, for the disciples, though, the apotheosis, that doesn't happen until Easter. Easter late morning, even. When, when Mary comes running back and goes, I saw him. He's back. And even then, I don't think they really understood until, until they ran into Jesus himself. They finally began to understand the true nature of Jesus, the true nature of reality of what the kingdom of heaven really means. Yes, they traveled with him for three years, but it isn't until this point where they finally start to get the message. The way I read it, they actually don't get to the victory until Pentecost, and that's 50 more days. It's not that far away. At that point, they get that final bit, that miraculous boon when the Holy Spirit comes down and lives in them. And at that moment, they walk in both the spiritual and the mundane world. Now, we have already experienced the risen Christ. We have seen Easter. We understand. What, what more could we understand by going under this this current atonement with the abyss. Now, part of that's between you and God. I don't know what you'll find. Our ancestors of faith, especially our Anabaptist ones, they, they struggled through times that were dark, times of seclusion, times of, of death, of persecution. But it's in those times they found their faith strengthened. That's my prayer for you. That even as you live in these strange days, that you don't forget the magnificence of that entry into Jerusalem. Yes, it wasn't real. It wasn't the actual coming of the kingdom, but it was a taste of the sheer glory that it must be to actually go into the kingdom. I pray that you don't forget the pain and sorrow of Jesus, his friends, and his family in those days. Because it reminds us that God actually experienced what we are experiencing. That God understands us. That God walks with us even in these moments of grief and darkness. And I pray that you look forward to a new apotheosis, to a new Easter, to a new rebirth, a finding of new life in these days, in this world. I pray that your faith will grow deeper and broader and closer to God.